This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. How's everybody's summer going? Good. Have you had some vacation yet? No. How many still have vacation to come? How many... Bless your hearts. You know, it's coming. It's going to be good. You know, I took a vacation. You didn't see me on Sundays, but I want to let you know that I was working hard for my wife. Around the house, okay? So I wasn't just laying around doing nothing. She's a slave driver, I tell you. <laughs> no, it's, it's always good. You know, it's, it's important. You know, that rest is a scriptural principle that God wants us to rest. God doesn't want us to be wearing ourselves out on a constant basis. In fact, he wants us to rest every week, something very important. And then also, it's good to have extended times of rest. So for those of you that are coming up to have your vacation, you're going to have a great time just relaxing. All right, we are starting a brand new series today uh, about prayer. Every year at the church here, we want to talk about prayer at some point during the year. We want to emphasize prayer um, discuss prayer. It's something that we want to, as a church family, know that it's very important for us. That's why we do our prayer and worship nights at various times throughout the year. Um, prayer is this vital connection that we continue to have with God. You know, God wants us to know him. If we go back to the Garden of Eden, God walked with Adam and Eve, and he spent time with them on a constant basis. And this is what God wants for us. And the way for us to do that is to have this idea of prayer in our lives and understand what it is so that we can pray and understand what to pray for and how to pray and what the scripture says about prayer and what Jesus taught us about prayer. There's so many things in the scripture about prayer. It's such a blessing for us to learn um, about prayer. And, and one of the things that we endeavor to do as we teach prayer here every year, it is my goal as um, your pastor, anybody that I would pastor, there's two things as it relates to prayer. I, I don't want anybody who goes to the city church to have to call a 1-800 prayer line. Now, if some reason you feel the need to do that, that'd be your own choice. But every Sunday here, we have uh, our church family available to pray for you. Scripture says that we would pray for one another. And then the other thing to do is to learn to pray yourself. So we can do do things. We should. We should pray for each other. And we should be there for each other to pray for each other in time of need. But then we should also learn, as Jesus has taught us, um, how to pray, how to have this wonderful connection with God, how to uh, know what to say to God. What can we say to God? What are we allowed to say to God? And then also in this idea of prayer, understanding that prayer is not a monologue, that prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is me spending time with God. I'm speaking to him. He's speaking back to me. And understanding that we can have that. And what does it look like? And, and, and all the things from the scripture. Uh, a couple, couple years ago, many years ago now, my wife and I had a chance um, to be with some really famous people. Um, Wikipedia page famous. Like they have legitimate Wikipedia pages. Um, and, you know, three or four famous people. And then one billionaire, like a legitimate billionaire, an old money billionaire, like from, you know, the States. His father was a billionaire and left a bunch of money to him. And, you know, anytime you're in, a, if you ever have a chance to be in a room with a billionaire, they're not giving you any money. I found this out. Um, <laughs> So I was in this room with all of these famous people. My wife and I were there, and we're kind of like, I'm not sure if we should be here. 
And then we were there, you know, for a couple hours, and we, we didn't speak. We were a little bit younger at the time, and we just wanted to listen. We didn't want to interject, and people think that we're stupid. Um, famous people, you don't, famous people to think you're stupid, that's really important. And then at the end of the night, we kind of looked at each other, and we're like, that's it? That's what famous people talk about? They didn't talk about anything important. I mean, this was pre-selfie days. So, I mean, obviously at that time, if, you know, if Instagram was, we would have been like selfieing with these people. And went, oh my gosh, Pastor Brent is with that person. Pre-selfie days. And we couldn't, we couldn't tell anybody that we were with them. But they were just people, you know. People are just people. Famous, rich, any other way. People are just people. And sometimes we have, because we live in a culture that, you know, exalts fame and famous people and all these different things, you know, we're like, well, what did they say? Well, they didn't really say anything great. In fact, some of the conversation was a little bit silly, uh, in my opinion. But when we think about prayer, we have this wonderful opportunity to talk to God. And then have God speak to us. And that should be priority in our lives. Not trying to get famous people to talk to us. Not trying to get a, say, a selfie with famous people or to know famous people. That we can actually know the Father God. That we can know the creator of the heavens and the earth. And then have him speak back to me. That I can have this open dialogue with God on a constant basis. That God wants to speak to me. And we should want to speak to him. You know, we all have stuff, whether uh, in our lives, whether, you know, we're having good times or bad times or just regular life is very busy. Has anyone noticed this, that regular life can be very busy? And the question is, how do we deal with our stuff? How do we deal with the busyness of life? How do we deal with just the average normal stress of life? You know, we can eat sometimes just to deal with stress. Has anyone ever done that? Come on now. You didn't develop a lying habit over the last month, did you? Has anyone ever ate to help deal with stress or just busyness in life? And you're like, I need to go to the grocery store and I need to go to the ice cream aisle. And we're just going to eat to help deal with this situation. You know, we can worry. We could just spend time just thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and just being anxious about situations we can now we can just go on our phones we can just spend hours you know going through facebook and instagram and going through twitter and and snapchat if you have that you know just just spending hours and hours on our phones because we just don't want to deal with the stuff that's going on in our lives we can despair we can become hopeless sometimes because life is very stressful life is very difficult we can complain if somebody will stand still and listen to us, we can complain and we can unload about what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with the prime minister and what's wrong with the president and what's wrong with the economy and what's wrong here and what's wrong there. And if nobody will stand still long enough to listen to us, we're just going to go and complain on social media. That We can just complain and then also we can just give in. We can just quit. We can sort of look at life and it's like it's, it's never really changing. It just seems hopeless seems really difficult and sometimes we can just quit we can sort of throw in the towel and stop stop moving forward in our lives but god doesn't want us to do any of these things he actually wants us to talk to him we always have somebody to talk to this is a question i always ask people hey do you have anybody to talk to about that you're going through this do you have anybody to talk to and the reality is all of us have somebody to talk to, that we can all talk to God. God actually wants us to come to him 
with everything in life. When we're on the highest mountaintop, when we're on the lowest valley, the scripture is full of times where people in these different stages of life and everywhere in between just went to God. They went to God to rejoice and to be thankful and to be grateful for all that they had given them. And then they go to him just to cry and say, why is life like this? It's not fair. This is so difficult. I'm not sure that I can handle this. Prayer is for all of those places. That we would spend time with God, talking to God, knowing God, praying to him, speaking to him. The scripture says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Rejoice always, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6, verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Colossians 4, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. What did we read there? Pray without ceasing, praying at all times, continue steadfastly in prayer. In other words, prayer is something that we should be doing all the time. On the mountaintop, in the valley, and everywhere in between. That we would be constantly praying. Now, what does that mean when we think about the term constantly praying? Does that mean I can't live my life? That I can't work my job because I have to pray? And I can't take care of my kids because I have to pray? And I can't do this and I can't do that because I have to pray? No, the idea of constant prayer is constantly in the attitude of prayer. Constantly in this place of connection with God. Now, there are times when we can go and we should go. And the scripture talks about, you know, closing our door. And the majority of our prayer should be done privately. So that people aren't thinking, you know, we're something. We should never use prayer for, uh, you know, vain purposes. Try to prove how spiritual you are because of how you pray. But we don't have to do big, loud prayers. But we can be constantly in this place of prayer. So that instead of doing all of these other things, eating and worrying and despairing and deciding to quit or give in, that instead of giving all of our attention to that and all of our effort to those things, instead, we should pray. Instead, we should be talking to God, maintaining that vital connection with God the Father, God who loves me and cares about me. God who sent Jesus to die for me. God who's interested in my life from the big things to the small things. That we would always think that we can pray. These, like I said, we can, be, we can pray long periods of time and we should set aside time, chunks of time to pray. But there could be those times during the day where you could see something or you could see someone. Or you could feel a situation. Or you could be facing stress. Instead of just going on my phone, instead of going to the food, instead of worrying or despairing or thinking about quitting or just saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Instead of all of that, we would pray. We would talk to God. Because God wants to talk to you. He's interested in us steadfastly, constantly, always praying, maintaining that connection with God. And it's something that we should enjoy doing. 
It's, it's never, prayer should be uh, not, how painful can I make it? Or how boring can I make it? Or how long can I make it so that I'm just falling asleep every time I pray? You know, we don't, we don't get extra brownie points in heaven for making it painful or making it boring or making it religious. It is all about getting to talk to God, getting to communicate to the one that we love most. Think about the ones you love most, your spouse and your children and your family and your friends. You don't think, oh, I got to talk to them again today. <sighs> All right, what do you want? Let's talk. Why do we do that with God? Why do we think if we're going to put in time to pray? No, we're just going to pray because we love God. God loves us. That I can just talk to him. That I can be pouring out my heart to God. The scripture said, we read there about persevering, about being watchful. See, so much of prayer just stems from being watchful. And instead of doing all of those other things that I've mentioned, that we would pray. Instead of worrying, we would pray. And looking at somebody and, and, and just sort of having a heart of compassion for that person. And if somehow you can't do something for that person, what should we do? Should we just leave it alone, forget about it? It's like, oh, I guess I can't do anything for them. No, we should pray for them. You ever been driving down the street and you, you see like a person in the distance or something and you, you know, compassion rises up for you for that person? Should we just let that go and think that that's no big thing? Or should we pray for that person? Well, how long do I have to pray for them? I don't know. It's not a contest. There's no time. There's no, uh, this is exactly how you have to pray. This is how long you should pray. And if you don't pray this long, it's not a valid prayer. No, it all has to do with our heart. It all has to do with maintaining this heart connection with God. And then we can pray and we can reach out to God and we can talk to God and we should enjoy it. The scripture says in Isaiah 61 verse 10, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in God my Savior for he has clothed me with garments of salvation arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest as a bride adorns herself with jewels. God has blessed us with salvation. God has blessed us with righteousness, right standing with him so that we can actually speak to him. We should delight in it. If we don't enjoy prayer, simply, we're doing it wrong. If we don't enjoy talking to God, we're doing it wrong. We should be delighting in the fact that we could talk to God. That we could speak to God, that we can reach out to Him, and then He hears us because of His salvation. Because He's given us all of these things. He's adorned us with righteousness. That He's given us salvation, that we should delight in Him when we pray. Let's read, about, let's read about some practical things here that Jesus says about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. It says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So when we pray, what we're not trying to do is we're not trying to stack it high. We're not trying to, here's all the words that I said, God. Surely you will do something for me now. 
that prayer somehow becomes the thing that I'm working for. I'm going to do all of this praying and then God will do something back for me. No, we don't think of prayer in those terms. We're not heaping up words. We're not stacking up our prayer time. We're not, you know, we don't have a stopwatch at the beginning of our prayer time. And then when we finish prayer, we're like, 20 minutes, God. <laughs> 20 minutes. And I didn't fall asleep. No, we don't add up prayer like that. We're not stacking up words of prayer. He says, you know, he says the Gentiles do that. People don't have a covenant with God. Don't be like them, verse 8 says. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father. So we don't, we don't stack up words and try to exchange all of the words that we say to get God to do something for us. That Jesus says, oh, he's your father. That we would go and talk to our father. And then the thing about this father is that our father actually knows everything we need before we even come to him. But he still wants us to come to him and ask. He still wants us to come to him and talk to him. But he already knows what we need. The things that you have need of in life, none of those things surprise God. None of it's going to take God by surprise. None of it's going to take Jesus by surprise if you need something. Scripture says he already knows what we need. So the first thing that we go to God when we pray shouldn't be just for wisdom's sake. It shouldn't be like, okay, God, I need this, 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 and I need it in the next 10 minutes. And we just sort of stack up our needs to God. No, he says, he, he brings it right back to relationship. That your father already knows all of the things that you need. And then what does he say? Verse 9, pray then like this. Instead of doing that, instead of stacking up our needs and stacking up our words, here's how we start in prayer. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is, you know, what we call the Lord's Prayer. But here Jesus is contrasting two different types of praying. Praying is stacking up my words, stacking up my knees, bringing my needs first. No, but here Jesus is saying, here's how, I, here's how you should pray. Come to God. And the first thing that you say to, is that you're realizing your, your prayer starts with God. Your prayer doesn't start with you. All effective praying starts with God. We don't start with ourselves. We start with God. And then we we'll just say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, we worship you. As I start praying, I'm going to magnify God first. I'm not going to magnify me first. Here's what I need. Here's what I want. And then we have sort of the Veruca Salt attitude and prayer. Do you remember Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? anyone remember this movie? The old one had Gene Wilder in it. The recent one had Johnny Depp. Okay, watch it this afternoon on iTunes, all right? In this movie, they, all these kids, they get to go into a chocolate factory. And there's one of the characters, her name is Veruca Salt. Terrible child. Terrible child. And she has a very wealthy father, and this wealthy father just gives her anything she wants, whatever she wants it. 
And Veruca Salt's phrase is, I want it now. I want it now. See, a lot of times when we go to God in prayer, that's our first word is I. We should never start any prayer to God with I. Jesus said, pray like this then, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, I come to you. God, you are my Father. God, you are God. I'm not God. My needs and my wants are not God. God is God. So when we start prayer, we start talking to God. We should just remind ourselves of who we're speaking to, not remind ourselves of our selfish nature, because a lot of times we're just like Veruca Salt. I want it now. See, this is why a lot of times people get so frustrated with their praying because they actually don't spend any time with God. They just spend, they just giving God their grocery list. Here's my list. It's not actual prayer time. It's just here's my need list. And the scripture says he already knows your need list. He already knows what you need. But we have this wonderful privilege to come to God. And Jesus says pray like this. Our Father. All effective praying starts with God. All effective praying starts with God and the will of God and the heart of God. The scripture talks about in 1 John chapter 5 that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. If we know that he hears us, we have the petitions that we desire of him. If we ask anything according to whose will? God's will. So, so much of prayer is us about aligning ourselves with God. Ask anything according to his will. Effective praying starts with the will of God, knowledge of the will of God, not knowledge of your will. Well, here's what I want, and 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 here's what I think I need. Has anyone ever had one of those? Has anyone lived long enough that there was a season in your life that you said, I need that. I need that car, that phone, that woman. I need that. And then years go by and you're like, I did not need that. I did not need her. I didn't, I actually didn't need that car. But if I started with me, if God gave to me all of the things that I thought I needed when I was 19, my life would be a mess. Can anyone else want to admit that that's true? Oh, I need that, I need that, I need that. Like, mm, mm. Anyone have any teenagers? Dad, I need this. Uh, no, you don't. Yeah, but and it's very sophisticated language. It's educated language. It's somewhat good thinking. Not really great thinking, but somewhat good thinking. I need this, Dad. I'm like, no, you don't. How good is God that He doesn't give us all of the things that we think we need? Come on now. 
This is why effective praying starts with the will of God. It doesn't start with my will. Aligning ourselves with the will of God. What does God say in his word? What is the things that we see in God's word? Ask anything according to his will. We know he hears us. That's why prayer starts with God. Prayer does not start with me. Prayer starts with God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I worship you, God. See, a lot of our prayer, most of the time, just needs to start out with how good God is. Don't start with your need list. He already knows. Start with God, not just yourself. Exodus chapter 3, you can see this in living color in the life of Moses. God is coming to Moses and he's talking to him about being a deliverer, about going and delivering the children of Israel. And we see the story here in Exodus chapter 3 verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, God is saying, and I have seen the way of the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you, talking to Moses, to Pharaoh... To bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign uh, to you that I, I, who have sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, uh, The God of your fathers has sent me. They asked me, What is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So Moses has this conversation with God. Moses has this prayer time with God. This is prayer time. See, if all you ever do in your prayer time is talk... You're missing out on a wonderful dialogue. This is why it's good to take your Bible to prayer sometimes so that you can allow God to speak back to you, not just, here's what I need, here's what I want, here's what I need, Jesus' name, amen, see ya. Now here Moses is talking to God. God is talking back to Moses. How does the conversation go? But Moses said to God, who am I? And then verse 12 says, and God said, I will be with you. See, we come to God in prayer sometimes with our stuff. Well, and, and I this, God, and I this, and I did this, and then they said that, and then I did this, and then they said that, and God... See, we started with all these I's and me's, and then we sort of leave God out. Moses is saying, well, who am I? I am nobody. But then God answers, like, I will be with you. See, this is the big deal about prayer is that not that we get to talk, is that God is with us. And that God is at the other end of the conversation. It isn't just empty words. That the God of the universe hears you when you pray. That's the big deal about prayer. That's amazing. Here Moses is talking to God and God is answering back. God wants to do the same with you. 
that the big deal about prayer is that God is at the other end of our prayers. We see this also in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John are having a hard time with some religious leaders. They healed a guy, and the religious leaders, they don't like it. So they get called in front of this, you know, religious leadership. We hear this whole thing that goes on. Acts chapter 4, verse 14. It says this, But since they could not see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and conferred together. So they were there and they were trying to figure out, you know, the punishment. So the religious people are trying to figure out punishment. See, and religious people are really bad at punishment because they can't actually do anything. So you know what religious people do? They lie about you. They do this. You know, I don't like that you're doing this, so I'm just going to lie about you. I'm going to gossip about you. Well, that doesn't really work with our thing, does it? But anyway, this is what religious people do. Verse 16, what are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. Uh, why not just praise God that did the miracle? I don't know. It seems like a simple thing. But no, they, they, what are we going to do to these guys? They broke our rules. They're not following our religious form. What are we going to do to them? Verse 17, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. What name is that? Jesus. They wanted to talk about Jesus. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. So here's what they were like. Okay, even though Jesus healed the guy, don't talk about Jesus. Verse 19, Peter and John replied, uh, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, religious people, they just threaten you. And then they lie about you. And then it says, then they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. What should the religious people have done as well? Praise God. Simple things. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. Their own group of people. And it says this. And they reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. So here's what happened, guys. And they told us and they threatened us. And we said, we're not going to obey you. We're going to obey God instead. And they're like, yeah. Who cares what the religious people say? Verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. So here's not a good situation. Here's a difficult situation. They're doing the works of Jesus. People are getting healed. The religious people don't like it. They're threatening them. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to go to the ice cream aisle store I'm just gonna go on my phone I'm just gonna worry I'm just gonna despair it's hopeless I'm just gonna give in you know they got together with some friends who also followed God and they prayed what did they pray? They lifted their voices together in 
prayer to God. Was the first thing they said? Sovereign Lord. Where did they start with their prayer? Did they start with the religious people and look what they did and blah, blah, blah. And I like them. They, they lied about me and they hurt my feelings. And this situation is going on. Where did they start? Started with God. All effective praying starts with God. In every respect. Starts with his will. It starts with understanding who he is. It's understanding the nature of God. The word of God. And then the bigness of God. Did you hear the first words they said? Sovereign Lord. Recognizing how big God is. See, this is what happens when we just put our needs first and we just put our big eye first and we come, we become Veruca Salt prayers. I want it now. We start to exalt ourselves. And we start to exalt how big the problem is and how big the situation is and how hopeless it looks. But what do they say? Sovereign Lord started with God. They said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. So here they're going to quote some scripture from the book of Psalms. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. So they're going back to the word of God. They're quoting the word of God in the middle of their prayer. They're knowing what the will of God is. And then it says this, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together and the Gentiles with the people in Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. How much mention of the need or the issue was there in the middle of this prayer? Started out with Sovereign Lord. They quoted some scripture. And then in the middle of there they said. Now Lord consider their threats. And then the rest of it. Is all about God. Why? Because God knows what you need. God knows what is the thing. Threatening your life. And then what do they say? They said your power. Your servants, your word, your hand, your holy servant, Jesus. Their prayer time, a huge portion of it, was just about how big God is. How powerful he is. What his hand does. Who his son is. See, we can go into prayer. We've got stuff going on. Normal stuff going on. And if we go into our prayer time and all we do is talk about the stuff and we make the stuff so big and then we make God, not on purpose, so small. But so much of our prayer time should just be talking about God. Your hand, your power, your servant, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, your help. Give me boldness. 
So at the end of our time of prayer, we shouldn't be coming out thinking, oh, there's so many needs. And I asked for it now, but it didn't happen now. So life is so hard and so difficult. Why should I bother praying? No, it's because we're praying the wrong way. Prayer starts with God. How big God is. How strong his hand is. How powerful the name of Jesus is. How full of wisdom God is that he actually wants to give to me. So I I might actually go into prayer a little bit sad down in the valley. But then when I remember who God is and who I serve. And how strong he is. And that he sent Jesus to die for me. I might go in prayer with my head down. But I'm coming out with my head held high. Because my prayer time starts with God. With the will of God, with the nature of God, with the power of God, with the character of God. Then I don't come out despairing, sad, ready to give up. No, I'm ready to go. I'm not ready to quit. I know that God is working on my behalf. Because he loves me and he cares about me. Last verse here, Psalm 34 verse 1 says this I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul makes its boast in the Lord let the humble hear and be glad oh magnify the Lord with me let us exalt his name together See, when we have our worship and prayer nights, we gather together on a Wednesday, and we've done that the first part of the year. We spend the majority of our time worshiping God. Because this is what prayer is all about. Exalting God, magnifying God. Hey, let's do this together. We, we might come in from the week, and the week might have been hard, and the week might have been difficult. But when we get together, we're going to be like, remember how big God is? Remember that Jesus came to die for you. Remember that the Holy Spirit is with you. He never leaves you or forsakes you. Remember that God loves you. So we don't quit. We don't give up. That God is always with us just like he was with Moses. So it's not about I, me, I, me. It is actually about him. And then we would exalt his name and we would do it continuously continuously reminding ourselves we see there magnify the Lord with me listen I know some of you have got hard stuff going on it's not easy it's difficult not for the faint of heart and I know some others of you have stuff going on in your life that just really isn't fair. Somebody else made a stupid decision. Now you're living with the consequences of that person's stupid decision. It's not fair. And it is difficult. For real, difficult. Like we saw there in Acts 4. Yes, that is the case. But what we don't want to do with that situation is make it bigger than it is with our praise. We don't praise the situation. 
How do we praise a situation? Well, I would never praise a situation. Well, you praise a situation when you talk about it, when you tweet about it, when you think about it, when you worry about it, when you eat so you won't worry about it, when you go on your phone so you won't worry about it. That's praising the situation. That's magnifying the situation. The scripture says, let us magnify the Lord together. Together. Man, we're going to stand with you arm in arm as a church family. We know you're going through some stuff. So what do we want to do together? We want to lift up the name of Jesus together because we know it's Jesus is the one who's going to see our friends and family through. Through these difficult situations, through these hard times, through these unfair times, what are we going to do as a church family? We're going to exalt the Lord together with them. Why? Because God is the one. God is the one whose right hand is not short. God is the one who has the power. And so we're going to exalt God. We're not going to exalt the situation. Not that we're pretending the situation doesn't exist. That's not what I'm saying. But we're just not going to exalt the situation. Yes, it's there. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. But God is bigger than that. So let's take a few seconds to do that, church. Let's all stand up together. What are we going to do? We're going to exalt his name together. Let's just lift up our hands. God, we just worship you this morning. God, we lift up your name and we stand with our brothers and sisters this morning who are going through real and difficult and stressful and hurtful situations. God, your name is above every name. And so today we lift up the name of Jesus. God, we lift up your power. We thank you that you are with us, that your power is not small, that your power is big, that your right hand is not short, but you reach down with your power and with your mighty hand, that you are giving wisdom, that you are giving grace to take our friends through these situations. We lift you up, Lord. We magnify you. We worship you, God. Our Father God, we worship you. Sovereign Lord, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. We magnify you, Lord. Lord, you are bigger than the situation. You are bigger than the problem. You are bigger than the sickness and disease. You are bigger than the debt. You are bigger than the unemployment. You are bigger than broken relationships. Your power is above all these things, God. And you are walking with us. And we are privileged enough to be able to talk to you. To talk to you and to know that you are with us. We just bless you and we magnify you today, Lord. You are so good. So good, so good. God, you are so good. You are so good, God. God, you are so good. God, you are so good. God, you are so good. And we just worship you and magnify you this morning. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.